I V M. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Triangle Offense. I'm Munish and as always I'm joined by Nishant. On today's episode, we'll talk about the two playoff games. It was round two of the first round of playoffs. Game two of the first round of playoffs, what am I talking? The Denver Nuggets plays the Trailblazers and the Milwaukee Bucks ha- are out for revenge. They cold-bloodedly smashed the Miami Heat. The game was over the first quarter itself. Uh, and we'll talk all about these games today. We'll start off with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat because that was the first game that happened. And the Milwaukee Bucks looked like they were on par or they were on course to beat all the three-pointer records today. Uh, they got 15 in the first half. The playoff highest in a... Uh, yeah. The playoff highest is 26 in a game. They looked on course to beat that. The regular season highest is 29, which was the Milwaukee Bucks' own record against the Miami Heat earlier in the season. It's just that they chilled in the second half, they needed that rest, yeah. and the fourth quarter was just garbage time, and that's why they did not beat any of those records. This is a different look. My this is a different looking uh, Milwaukee Bucks, don't you think? I mean, compared to last season, compared to the year before that, they look like they have multiple areas where they can change the game, flip the game, not just dependent on Giannis. I know Giannis went off for 31 points and as usual, he got his usual numbers. But yeah. if you notice today, they got a lot of uh, players scoring. They got Brian Forbes scoring. They got Chris Middleton scoring. They got uh, Pat Connaughton going off the bench as well. This Milwaukee Bucks unit looks really dangerous, don't they? Even more so now with the kind of bench contributions that they got. But... Uh... They were building up to this throughout the season. We discussed how at the at the start of the season, they actively looked to involve, to try and win games as much as possible without involving Giannis much on the offense. Yep. They they went to Drew. They they involved Connaughton and and Vincenzo and all these guys, and and it paid off. It they, they are better prepared this year in the playoffs than they've ever been. Every year prior to this, you got the feeling that these guys were regular season bullies, and in the playoffs they were kind of clueless when you have to face off against the same team over and over again and they have chances to um, make reads on you and pick your part, come back and improve on you. Uh, they just weren't up to the task. But but this is a transformed Bucks team and I've been saying this for a while now. Not too long. Um, if you had asked me even two months ago, I would have said uh, Miami will somehow prevail over Milwaukee. But then mm-hmm. over the last couple of months, I think they've been... Uh, inching closer and closer to kind of peak playoff form and you saw all the right signs. You saw the defense taking shape. You saw uh, spacing and outside scoring. You saw the Brooklyn Nets dare Giannis to take threes and he sunk threes and they, they beat the yeah. Nets. So, uh, all the right things. I don't think Giannis is a particularly good shooter yet but um, at least there's it's kind of a warning shot to not dare him to shoot. It's one right. thing to assume he's not going to make contested threes. Um, but but just to leave him miles open is a bad idea. Now, um, look, I, I think this the the margin of victory in this game is largely because of that blitz in the first half, and it just everyone was sinking threes left, right, and center, and Connaughton went off. And um, it, when that happens, it's it's a little too much for Miami. Uh, but I think the margin of victory here is a little. Uh, it makes it seem better than it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that Milwaukee were in trouble at any point in this game. Um, they were comfortable winners, and I expect them to be for the rest of the series also. But I, what I mean is, uh, they're not going to shoot like this every game. They might True. come close, but they're not going to shoot like this every game. And um, but the Miami Heat were all-time terrible. From uh, their shooting was just completely off. There's not one guy that was shooting it well. Yep. Like yep. Bam, Bam had when Bam has less than fifty percent field goal um, shooting for most of the game. I think he finished with that. Um, yep. It's a bad night, and. and 
you you have no chance anyway let alone when when they're sinking like 15 threes in a half and stuff like that so uh, but like i said uh, i think this is a severely depleted miami heat team uh, this is what the heat should have been last season i think they way overachieved in the bubble but this is now more of a rationalized learning curve for all of the young stars nothing to panic in miami it's just they're overmatched this time uh, by a by an incredibly well prepared um, milwaukee bucks with a yanis who's finally ready for the playoffs with a chris middleton who doesn't seem to be falling prey to nerves anymore two it's only two games in but let's see uh, so mm-hmm. far so good and with a drew holiday who's always built for the playoffs um, defense yeah. and offense um got a great support squad around them all of them defend that's the best part these are not just um spacing monsters and uh, and spot up shooters every one of them offers defense that's what makes this bucks team so lethal um, in the playoffs i'm excited i i hope we get that brooklyn milwaukee matchup in the second round yep. that'll be interesting exactly i mean when when you have someone like yanis in the team you don't expect the team to attempt 53 threes in a game they attempted yeah. 53 threes in a game and scored 22 of them so pretty good uh good numbers they would have broken all the record like i said if it was not for the fourth quarter where they relaxed quite a bit but what miami heat i mean when you have your top two scorers score 16 and 10 a top two players score 16 and 10 you're not going to win the game bam got 16 butler got 10 and it's game over butler doesn't look like the jimmy butler we know right i mean he was playoff butler last time around he said even this time you take me to the playoffs i'll take you there but he doesn't look like the kind of player he was last season what's wrong with the miami heat no i th- i think all around they all year they've been suffering with uh, intermittent injuries and players coming on and off nobody had a career ending injury as such but uh, but they've been suffering throughout the season with fitness issues and they much like the lakers had had a grueling full season um, i mean the lakers won so there's some glory attached but uh, both the teams played the same number of games miami some more in fact if you call yep. the playoffs <coughs> excuse me so yeah, it took its toll on them and and i think it's showing and i think it's showing in the older guys dragic butler uh, had fitness issues and and they don't have that buffer scoring hustle and defense of jay crowder that's a big miss we called that out um, before right. the series began right that's a that's a big that's a luxury to have um, on the bench coming off the bench uh, so so all in all they just overmatched it i wouldn't read too much into it butler uh, a lot of it's like this right jokic gets a bunch of assists uh, every match but if mpj shoots 1 for 10 then it's going to affect your yeah. which is assist tally also right and right. it's a bit like that with butler shooting and and um, dragic because what we praised the miami heat for last season was all of them move exceptionally well off the ball and because they do and because they're so mobile and dynamic all the time shifting shapes uh, they find the defense caught off guard multiple times right. and they have this knack of always swinging the ball around to the right guy the guy with the highest percentage shot and and that that helps everyone get points on the board it helps dragic shoot better it, it helps hero get his shot off it helps duncan robinson get set shots that are high percentage conversions and it in all this it also helps clear the lane for jimmy butler to drive in and be mm-hmm. strong um or to draw double team and dish it to to bam right all of these things get affected the moment uh, that chemistry is gone that movement is gone and everyone's having a bad game then everyone's going to it's going to show on everyone's stats right so butler's numbers can't be looked at in isolation yes he's not having a great series he's not building his impact onto the series though at least they took the first game to overtime great to him yep but uh, but but yeah so the, these struggles are going to continue i think it's just a bad it's going to be a bad post season for for the miami heat they should just 
go back, reset, and then come back next season. Yeah, they tried their best in there. I mean, they tried to rile Yanis up, but he looked locked. He looked yeah. like I'm not going to get into this battle. It's my game. I'm I'm going to play football while you yeah, yeah. fight it out. <laughs> that was pretty cool from Yanis. I thought. Uh, you think it's all over for Miami Heat because if there's one team that I would uh, not think who would fold in and throw in the towel, I think it's the Miami Heat. I think they'll come back all guns blazing. Uh, when especially at uh, in ho- at home right now, what do you think? Or yeah. is it game over? Is it going to be like over in four? I don't think they'll give up. Um, and I don't think. have given up but it's just they're not good enough this it's it's not going to happen they can they can fight for some respect maybe achieve a um a smaller margin of defeat but defeat is imminent i think there uh, this looks increasingly like it's headed for a sweep their best case scenario seems to be a gentleman sweep maybe they nick one game but uh, bucks in five worst case scenario Yeah, talking about riling up. Guess who was riled up today? Nikola Jokic. I yeah. didn't see that coming. It was quite a feisty affair, wasn't it? The Nuggets and the Trailblazers. Uh, four technicals, two flagrants given. But Jokic and Dame had a brilliant game. I mean, it was a it was a game worthy of a playoff, if I could call it that. Dame went off. He scored nine threes, eight and a half, and Jokic went off, scoring thirty eight points himself as well. Uh, he got five assists compared to the one that he got on the in the first game. MPJ went off, got a few shots. He got he scored eighteen. Millsap went off. Surprisingly, he got fifteen. Gordon went off. So it was pretty much yeah. well distributed scoring that kind of secured the game for the Nuggets here. Whereas if you looked at the Portland Trailblazers bench, none of them got in double digits. I think Carmelo with five was the highest of the bench. So that kind of decided the game there itself, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, nobody plays defense. That's why all these guys are scoring. <laughs> But nobody in this in this entire series plays defense. That continues from game one, and it's going to be the same for for uh, the rest of the series. But but this is exactly what we said after game one, just yesterday's episode, right? This is exactly what I said. Um, when Carmelo comes off and gives you eighteen off the bench, when yep. when you have a bunch of players in double digits off the bench, that's the out of syllabus sort of element that that you can't really prepare for uh, as the Denver Nuggets, and they were caught off guard. This game, they came a little more aggressive. Started putting points on the board early. Jokic took even more of a scorer's role. Um, right. MPJ went at it. Campazzo went went at it. And uh, the only difference from game one was all of those bench points were not coming in for Portland, and that was the difference really. It's, it's a twenty mar- point margin of defeat. Uh, by yep. and large, there was nothing drastically different that Denver did in this right. game. So they stepped up the ante a little bit. Um, played a little more aggressive. Uh, a, a less time wasted per possession on the on the shot clock, got shots off, all of that. But uh, there was no game changing strategy as such. It was largely the same thing. Portland didn't have the bench scoring that they did in in game one. Uh, but but Lillard, what a performance! I think it's this this performance will just be a stat line in history and it'll just be a footnote. But right. anyone who's watched the game, um, nine threes in a losing effort. Six of which came in the second quarter back to back. He didn't miss it. Six straight, some yep. deep, some low goal. They were all nothing yep. but net. Um, it was a, a spectacular display. And to the, I, I think four of those six were unassisted. It's just straight right. off the dribble. Um, no pick and roll, no screen. Just Lillard straight out shooting. Um, terrific display. Again, uh, I think the Portland Trailblazers are overmatched. I don't think they can take on um, uh, the the Nuggets if they get. Multiple people to go off from beyond the arc. They can make a fight of it. Uh, maybe nick another game. But this is Nuggets in in five versus case six. Uh, I think they're too strong for the Trailblazers. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. I think it was pretty evident today that the Nuggets had a change in strategy. They ensured that. I mean, 
MPJ had a bad game. It's not like he's a bad player, yeah. right? And it kind of averaged out today. He got three out of his six, yeah. uh, three attempts. And that kind of decided the game when you go on a streak like that and you have Jokic scoring at his highest level. I think you easily secured the game there itself. When Millsap's uh, by putting the way, points on the board, it just becomes tough to beat the Nuggets. Millsap of all people. Exactly. And Portland, uh, they're one of the... They have one of the least turnovers in the entire league. They had 20 turnovers today and that kind of gave it away. I think Dame even had a few turnovers in the first half, which kind of which kind of probably riled him up to go after and get those three-pointers. Knowing the kind of player he is and the kind of personality that is, I think that's probably what triggered those three-point yeah. after three-point of three-pointer. The game was well done, but it was him alone who was keeping it alive and that was fantastic to watch. Yeah, it's it's kind of why they don't have too many turnovers. It's maybe because it's just Lillard shooting all the time. <laughs> you can't really turn the ball over. Um, yeah, they they had an off night. They had an off night, but uh, it should be. I'll I'll be surprised if they take um, the Nuggets even to six games. But six is as far as it can even possibly go. Even mathematically, yeah. it's not gonna happen. Yeah, that's that's going to be a fun series. The series now shifts to Portland where they play yeah. two games. So, they'll have the home court advantage. I think fans are being allowed in now uh, to a higher number, higher percentage is being allowed. So, that should be a fun game to watch out. Uh, fun games watch, uh, coming up tomorrow as well. The Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets. Any chance for the uh, Celtics to cause an upset? No, uh, we're not even going to talk about that, are we? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I think we kind of dismissed them yesterday also. I just don't see it happening. Brooklyn would literally have to go to sleep for, for the Celtics to... Uh, to, to to even make a make it competitive, it's just not gonna happen. I don't see it. Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with you. There. Uh, but the other two games are gonna be super fun. The Mavs take on the Clippers part two. Now Clippers don't have a good track record of performing well under pressure. Uh, they lost the first home game. If they go two 0 down, it's game over. I mean, if you lost two home games, there's no way you're coming back. Or do you still see this going down the stretch? I saw Paul George hit an air ball in that game. <laughs> Oh man, look, plenty of players hit air balls. Steph Curry hits air balls in some matches, but there's just something about um, it's just become an internet sensation now. Paul George doing these in, in big games where um, it's it's funny. Uh, look, I I don't know what it is with these LA teams, right? Um, it's what we it's what I said about the Lakers also in game one. Uh, against the Suns so, and the Suns played exceptionally well by no means am I saying they were kind of granted a, a victory yep. but the Lakers didn't put up a fight they could have still lost but they they didn't even bother trying it was at least the entire first half both against the Warriors and the Suns it was Lakers maybe complacent almost self-entitled mm-hmm. as if hey, it's us I mean just give us the W already uh, and it's not it's not going to come in, uh, victories are not going to come like that and there's just no effort. Um, AD wasn't doing his best on defense. He wasn't picking up whoever was the offensive threat in the paint. LeBron was doing God knows what on defense. And and this is the Lakers. Uh, defense is the bedrock of, of uh, championship runs for them over the years, including mm-hmm. the squad. And then you see the same with, with the Clippers. And it's bizarre. What is the one thing the Clippers are known for? Why are they so feared? Last season, it was depth. They don't have that kind of depth now. They lost both their sixth man of the uh, candidates. But what is the one thing everyone fears about the Clippers? They have two big, strong wings that can defend one through five. Each of them can defend one through five in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And they are elite. Mm -hmm. As elite as they come, Paul George is and Kawhi is even more so. Right. Where the fuck is that defense? 
I mean, you saw this last season. I don't get what it is about Luca. Is he that good that they don't even want to bother trying? Because even last season, he was lighting them up, torching them inside and out. Yep. He's driving to the hoop, making people look like joke, look like a joke while doing it in slow motion. He's pulling up from three. He's not a particularly great three shooter, and he's still yeah. sinking shots, contested. And and through all this, who do you see defending him? Pat Bev, Jackson. <laughs> I mean, where where are the two supposed best defenders in the game, the greatest wing defenders the game has seen? Where in the world is Kawhi Leonard? Forget Paul George, couldn't care less. Pandemic P until proven otherwise. Where is Kawhi Leonard, the champion, the two-time finals MVP, one of which he got only because he defended LeBron in the finals. And LeBron mm-hmm. had spectacular stats. This guy still yep. got finals MVP because he got them the win. It was enough, whatever he did to contain LeBron. Where is this guy? It's like they're afraid to to take on that assignment of guarding Luka Doncic. And as long as that is true, he's going to continue torching them. I don't even think he'll need Porzingis on offense if this is how they mm-hmm. they defend Luka. He has enough shooters, he's going to penetrate and whenever he, he sees a tough shot to be made, um, he'll either find a way to sink it or he'll find the open guy because he's an exceptional passer. They're going to get right. torched at this rate unless, unless Kawhi shows up on defense. Forget what they do on offense. Somebody's got to pick up Luka on, on defense. It should be Paul George or Kawhi, but at this point, I think nobody cares about Paul George. All eyes are on Kawhi because <laughs> he's the Finals MVP. He's the guy that came in with all the hype into LA. He's the guy that pulled the rug from under the Lakers' uh, feet, kind of left um, uh, Pelinka blindsided, where everyone mm-hmm. thought he was joining the the Lakers, and then he goes to the right. Clippers because he wants to do his own thing. Much respect to that, but then you got to deliver when you when you make a high risk, high leverage move like that. You have to deliver because it's there's a reason it's so high risk. The returns are great, but the the pitfall is you slip up ever so slightly and you'll get massacred for it. And that's what's happening right now. Absolutely. That's going to be a delicious matchup. I can't yeah. wait for the Clippers and the Mavs. And I'm going to be watching that one, whereas I'm sure you'll be watching the Suns versus the Lakers. No, no, I'm uh, watching. I couldn't care less about that matchup. I'm <laughs> Luka against the Clippers. I'm not watching anything else. The Suns versus the Lakers. You think the Lakers have enough to make a comeback tomorrow? I mean, like I've been saying all in the lead up to the playoffs is that I think the Lakers duo has missed enough games for them for it to be a problem for them. Sure. Uh, and looking at the stats, the top four in the Phoenix Suns, Booker, Chris Paul, Ayton, and Mikael Bridges, they missed a combined total of 10 games. Yeah. Whereas LeBron and AD together did not play 17 games. Like, they both did not play together for 17 games. So, that I think is turning out to be a factor, you think, or am I thinking too much? You're not, but, uh, but I, here's why I don't think that's going to be the defining factor. Uh, because A, this is your two of this team, like I mentioned. This team's gone and on the chip together, so they know how to play off of each other. It's now a question of individual rhythm and, and finding that stroke and getting into match fitness and shape. It's more of that than than collaboration, cohesion and, and bonding. There is there's bonding, at least between the big two, um, if not the rest of them. Um, and sure, Aiton and all those guys have played almost all their games together and they haven't missed that much. But... It, it's not like games together is the primary factor in determining how mm-hmm. well a team plays. It is a factor, but when you've got skill at the level of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, two all-time great number one draft picks, and deservedly so, uh, it covers up for a lot of other uh, shortcomings. So I wouldn't be too worried about that aspect. What I would be worried about is, are they fit? Is it a... Um, if they choose to turn it on, can they turn it on? Are their bodies mm-hmm. going to allow it to play major minutes if needed? Uh, to bump bodies with Aiton if needed for AD? Uh, is that a possibility? If the Lakers need to switch him to a 5, then it's him against Aiton. Uh, right. That's a lot of contact. That's a lot of... Aiton's 23. 
AD is not exactly old, but he's a little more fragile at this point. Um, right. So, so there's that angle. But I think the angle that's really frustrating for the Lakers. Look at this point. I still don't think the Suns can take them in a seven-game series. It's mm-hmm. it just doesn't look likely. Because the biggest reason, despite Devin Booker going off, and he really did look like a young Kobe in game one. It probably mm-hmm. looked that way for the rest of the series. But despite him going off, the difference maker was Aiton. It was Aiton's mm-hmm. rebounding. It was Aiton causing havoc in the pick and roll. It was Aiton uh, causing havoc in the paint and getting points off in clutch moments. He outdueled and and kind of came up on top against Anthony Davis. I don't see that over a seven-game stretch. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the league dominates Anthony Davis like that over a seven-game stretch. Certainly not enough to get a win. That's one. Two, the Lakers are like this and it's frustrating sometimes. They can get complacent. They can become self-entitled where they're like, we're the defending champs, we're the Lakers, we're on the court, just give us the win. And with Anthony Davis and LeBron, what's the biggest criticism, right? When everyone talks about Jordan wouldn't have done this or Kobe wouldn't have done that. It's that mentality that the league is used to like these psychotic, obsessed with win, just right. brutal assassins. And here are two nice guys that don't really... AD <laughs> uh, is just too soft. Like LeBron, at, at times at least, it's maybe it's because of his uh, PR obsession. Or I don't know what it is that, that he comes out aggressively. AD is almost too nice. Like you have to prod him, poke him, stab him, make him bleed. Uh, kind of get him into, put, put a few slits on him to make him turn into a raging bull, right? Um, it, it happened last year too. They were atrocious in the bubble until, um, yep. I, I think it took Portland winning that game. And mm-hmm. for a bunch of people to call, to say Portland will actually win the series, some, like Charles Barkley predicted a sweep. I think that's kind of what Lakers <laughs> are like, what, what's happening in this league? Um, so let's hope it happens in game two, because if, if not, it's going to get... Really tough for the Lakers to come back from a 2 0 deficit. That's when I well, say if, you know the fan base has to panic. Okay. Well, if the Lakers uh, needed Charles Barkley to rile them up, he yeah, already he did that, saying that nobody's scared of the Lakers this season. I think if they have seen it, I think that should be enough motivation for them to go all out for the win tomorrow. But if they're going to and down, would he be panicking? I think he said they'll uh, win the series, the Suns. Well, I said that too, but I wouldn't put it out there like he did. Not to embarrass myself. But that's going to be a fun day, a great day coming up. Uh, That's all the time we have for today and I'll catch up tomorrow and we'll discuss tomorrow's games. All right, man. Take care. Bye.